And, and this week we're going to look at Acts 6 and talk about the role of, of the deacon. Um, and, and to begin with, after we, after we look at this text, um, to ask the question, why do, we, why do we need deacons? And do we need them? Um, so, so if you want to read along with me, it's Acts 6, 1 to 6. So if you follow along, that's Acts 6, 1 to 6. It'll be up there on the screen as well. Now in those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, the wor- for your word. You've entrusted us this, this story, this true story of your love for us as revealed on the cross from creation into eternity. You've shown us your great love for us and all that you have in store for us and all you, that you desire of us. But mostly, you have shown us yourself through your word. Remind us of that, so that we would be in your word as often as we can, that we would find you in it, that we would seek you. Father, let the words that I speak be tested by your word and moved by your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So to begin with, I want to ask that question. Do you need deacons in your life? Do we need deacons in the church? And, and, and the word deacon simply means a, a servant. But we have this culture today that, that, um, that says we need to serve, but, but we're often not humble enough to admit that we need to be served. We have this, this thing that says, you know what, I, I, I need to, to, to work hard and, and, and serve other people and do for other people. But the gospel is that we received because we couldn't do. We received and, and were served because we couldn't serve. Christ died on the cross for us because we could not pay the price for our own sins. And it's interesting how the order of the church, when it, when it comes to elders and, and deacons, same with the order of the family, they actually are a, a, a show of, of what God has in store for us through salvation. And in this case, God has, has put forward those who, who serve because we need those who serve. Verse 6, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint from the Hellenists arose 
against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So who is complaining? It's the, it's the Hellenists. They would have included the Gentile believers and the, and the Hellenistic Jews, those who were Jewish, but they lived like Romans. And, and they were saying, look, hey, you know what? These Hebrews, the, the Jewish believers, they're neglecting our, our widows in, in the daily distribution of, of food. And so there was this feeling of division, and they thought that they were being singled out. Notice it says there. They, they had this clear feeling that there was this separation between the, the Hellenists and, and the Hebrews, and they were saying, look, you know, there's this division here, and it's obvious we're not getting what they get, and, and, and I would imagine the, the Hebrews were saying the same thing, well, we're not getting what they're getting. And so you had this division but, but it wasn't clear what the issue really was. But whatever the issue was, it was causing a huge amount of division in the church. It says, verse 2, And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, Look, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So at this time, this church that was already divided, this was around the same number of the, the 120 that had originally um, waited for the Holy Spirit plus those who came to faith from their preaching. And, and so this is a very, very new church. And so what they found was, what, what the issue was, it wasn't that they were, were, were being singled out. It wasn't that they were being um, divided, divisive on purpose. But that everything was falling to the twelve. Those who were called to go and, and preach, those who were called to, to, to be in prayer, to go and evangelize, they were having to stop that work to do the daily distribution of, of food. And they simply didn't have the time to do all of that. It's similar to, to Moses, right? Moses was leading the people out of we'll get there. Egypt. That was his call. That was what God had called him to do. Lead the people out of Egypt. But then they, they had to sit for a while. And, and Moses was finding himself, instead of leading and, and guiding them out of, out of Egypt into the promised land, he was finding himself having to, to judge disputes between people. And, and because Moses was, was taking on every role in that community, he, he was getting burned out. And, and it was impossible to get caught up in what he was actually supposed to be doing. And his father-in-law noticed this. And, and he, he convicted Moses on this. He said, you can't be doing everything. And his father-in-law suggested that he appoint judges to deal with this so that the judges can, can deal with these squabbles between people and Moses can focus on what he was called to do. The twelve, their job was to preach the gospel. And notice how, how this is given importance it doesn't say that serving tables is preaching the gospel, but that it supports the preaching of the gospel. I want to get into that. Preaching. Preaching the word is primary. That's our, that's our main goal as the body of Christ. That's our main goal as, as believers. Matthew 28, our call is to go make disciples of all nations. How? By teaching them what Jesus has commanded. So preaching and teaching is primary. That's our, our main thing. Romans ten fifteen, 
says this, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So here we see that we have to preach these words. We have to speak them. You know, there's that common line out there. Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Here, Scripture tells us it is necessary. You've got to tell them the gospel. Preach the gospel. Because lots of people can do nice things. That doesn't necessarily mean that the message of their doing nice things is Christ. Non-believers can do nice things, right? I, I know lots of non-believers who are, are very kind and, and, and good people who do nice things. But that doesn't mean they are driven by Christ. How will they know, it says, unless somebody preaches? Matthew 28. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. So, so the, the teaching is, is primary. Then what, what about the serving? Where does the serving come into it? Why would they believe in the God that we are telling them about? This is where the serving comes into it. Matthew five sixteen. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So teaching is primary. But if all we do is teach, but we don't actually live what we teach, then our teaching is useless. Why would they listen to the person who is teaching? John 13, 35 says they will know that we are disciples of Jesus by our love. So they know that that God has authority because of the works they've seen in us. They've seen a transformation in us so that when we go to teach, they can say, you know what? Yeah, I see that. I see that this person has has changed and, and they have authority because I can see what God has done in their lives. And they'll know that we are, are speaking the truth on, on behalf of Jesus because they'll see the love that we have for one another. So that service part supports the teaching role. But you can't have one without the other. And verse 3 says this, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So you see here, these are, are men who are full of wisdom. They're, they're full of the Spirit, but they're also men of good repute. They're also men who, who, when people look at them, they say, well, you know what? I see God's work in them. I see what they're doing. So this is their solution to this division of, uh, of, of picking these men who will have the time to do these roles, to, to, to distribute the food, to do the, the, the practical matters of the daily life of the church. And the apostles appoint them. But, verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So we see here again, the church is, is young, but it's starting to take form. And, and before this, the apostles 
had done everything. They were the preachers, they were the teachers, they were the organizers, they were the, the, the ones who, who, who dealt with the daily life of the church. But as people mature and, and the church grows, we start to, to realize that, that there are giftings within the church and there are different roles within the body of Christ. One of the things we don't often notice is that the early part of Acts is an example of how to evaluate how a church grows, how the body of Christ grows. Church growth was not a measure of how many people and, and came and observed in a worship service. But it was a measure of how many people were equipped and how many people went out to use their gifts to serve the Lord. They're, they're, they're talking constantly in, in the early part of Acts about people who are, are sent out I can't think of a single instance where, where they're talking about inviting people in, right? I don't remember anywhere in Acts where the preaching ends with, let me give you an invitation to come to my church on Sunday morning. No, they're, they're, they're building people up to be sent out to use their gifts for the glory of God and to build one another up. Church growth wasn't a measure of how many people came in but about how many people went out. Numbers are not a good measure of this, of, of church growth. That's why small town churches, they, they often get discouraged because larger churches in the cities are saying, look, you should have more people like us. <clears throat> you know, our, our church ran a kids program um, for a time in, a, in another community where we can confidently, confidently say that every primary age kid in that town attended. Isn't that awesome? Every primary kid in that, that town attended our program. And, and that, sounds, that sounds really good. That town was Yulba, right? So we had 20 kids coming. That's every kid in, in the primary school. That's awesome. But, but you go to uh, Toowoomba, Right, a thousand-member church in Toowoomba is 0.7 percent of of the whole community, whereas a town like Chinchilla, say we we got a hundred church of 150. That's that's three percent of the community. You see, numbers don't work as as a measure of church growth. Looking at a church and saying how many people they have is is not a measure of growth. But the true measure of of growth that we see here in Acts is how many people go out. How many people serve? How many people are, are, are going out to share the good news? It's not just a measure of church growth. That's a measure of our own growth, right? How many times we go to church, how many times we volunteer on a Sunday morning is not the measure of our growth as a believer. The measure of our growth as a, as a believer is our willingness to serve Him, to glorify Him, to grow in Him, to be transformed, and to, as we've been talking about over the last few weeks, to move. Remember, if we're a disciple of Jesus, we're not an audience member of Jesus. We're not an observer of Jesus. We are a disciple, and a disciple is a follower, and a follower moves. 1 Corinthians 12. Um, actually, no, I'm not there yet. See, God's intention for the church is that there are no spectators. There is no audience. 
but only participants. And I know I say that a lot, but it's really important to understand this, especially as we're looking to our, our statement of faith and, and where we're going as, as a church and where the Word of God and the Spirit of God are leading us. It's important to see that we're not a group of spectators. We're not an audience. 1 Corinthians 12. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And the varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every believer is equipped and gifted upon coming to faith. Because we read in this paragraph... No one can, uh, we read in the, the, the beginning paragraph of this chapter, no one can come to, to Jesus, no one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. And notice that he grants this in our text that we just read to everyone, right? It says, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he empowers them all in everyone. So it means we don't have some Christians who are gifted and some who are not. Every believer has a gift, has a charge, has a call on their lives to serve. There are no Christians who do not have this. And and again, he says, to each one. No Christians who don't have the spiritual gift. And the reason I think so many people believe this is not the case is because we actually don't see it. We don't see people using their gifts. Because again, we've, we've developed this culture of, of the church as, as a thing that you go and observe on a Sunday morning. Not a thing you participate in. Not a, a living body of which you are a part. And so a lot of people, they, they, they see that and they say, well, you know, only, only a few people, only the people up here, only the person behind the pulpit, they're the only gifted ones. But that's not the case. I know, um, I know for me, when I'm not doing what God has called me to do, I feel that. You know, I, I feel uh, um, a flatness, a, a division even sometimes. Because I'm not doing what God has called me to do. Kind of this blah feeling. I want to encourage you, if that's you, to, to see where your gifts are leading you to where God is calling you to serve and to glorify Him. Here, this is, this is what's happening with the apostles in, in Acts 6. They're having everything put on them, and they were, were the doers, and everyone else was the receivers. And then when people weren't receiving in the right way, they start complaining against them. And the ministry begins to suffer, because it was just the twelve doing everything. But here we, we see this, this first kind of sending out. And, and it happened amongst the deacons. That they were the first given that charge to, 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 to serve, not in some grand and glorious way, right? They weren't starting <coughs> the ministry of Stephen or the ministry of, of um, Philip. or you know They weren't doing it in this grand way. But they were first sent out simply to distribute food to share love with one another and, and to make sure that, that people had their daily needs met. That was the first sending out. And that is what the deacons were called to do. 
today, this ministry is, is, is just as important. That they're called to, to deal with all of those daily things in, in the church. Called to deal with the, the finances. Called to deal with the building. And, and, and again, the, the ministries of, of service. So that they can encourage you to go out and do that Matthew 28 command. To go out and share the good news. To preach the gospel. This is one of the reasons that, 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 that when we see the call towards the deacons, it says that they, they're not just anybody. They're, they're important. They have to have a good reputation. They have to be full of the Spirit. They have to have wisdom. These are still requirements for, for, for those who serve, even in this way, because that stuff is important. One of the other reasons that, that we don't see this, or we don't think we see it, is because often we focus on, on what is often termed the charismatic gifts. Um, those are the, the gifts that we see up front. Those are the gifts that, that, that we see people doing them. But you know, we forget that the spiritual gifts are for every day building up of one another. And that's why helping, administration, teaching, those are spiritual gifts. Those are things that God has called people to as well. And He calls people by His will. He calls people for His purposes to build one another up. And so if He's gifted you, and He's called you, He's done done that for a reason. It is for His glory and for the upbuilding of one another. And then we get to verse 5. They, they did this. They, they appointed these people. And they said, look, you guys know um, who's gifted in this area. They chose Stephen and, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Paramenus and Nicholas. And it says this, and, and they were, it said they were pleased. The whole gathering... So we first we had this division between the, the Jewish believers and the Hellenist believers. But now we have this unity. They were pleased, the whole gathering, as they chose these men. And they sat before the apostles and they prayed and laid hands on them. And they were sent out to do this work. And, and in this, we, we, we had a, a, a coming back together from this division. So as we, as we close, I want you to, to be praying for the deacons of this church. And we, we call them the board. They're those who, who serve in some of the ways that, that aren't recognized very often. Um, but they, they serve because they've been gifted. And as we pray for those who do that, to be able to step back and say, where is my place in the body of Christ? I'm not just talking about this church, but where is my place in glorifying God? How has He gifted me to serve Him? In what way am I sharing this good news of Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You have called us to more than just a Sunday morning service. You've called us to be a living, active body to glorify You. You've given us new life and freed us from sin 
And in doing that, you've, you've, you've given us a life in community, just as you are in community, that we would serve one another, that we would seek to build one another up. Father, remind us of this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.